Welcome back to another edition of the 49 Away podcast. As always, don't forget to give the 49 Away a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis. On today's episode, we will recap week four of the National Football League, talk about all the headlines and storylines from this past week, including two games getting moved, the first head coach firing of the season, and yeah, the Cleveland Browns are 3-1. and one. Yeah, the Cleveland Browns are 3-1. and one. Only in 2020 does that happen. And of course, we'll break down the 49ers' ugly loss to the Philadelphia Eagles and break down the injury report heading into this week against Miami and break down whether I think the 49ers still have a chance to do something this season or are the injuries going to prove to be too much to handle. Let's get right into it with takeaways from the 49ers' loss to Philadelphia as they fell to the Eagles at home on Sunday night 25-20 in a very tough loss to a Philadelphia Eagles team that is just as banged up as the Niners were But from beginning to end, the Niners just couldn't get in rhythm at all. Nick Mullins had a really rough outing. The offense had their moments. Kittle, Debo, and Ayuk had their moments. They got the ball rolling on offense. But other than that, they just couldn't really do anything. And then on defense, they struggled a lot. Wentz had his way running the football. And the the injuries clearly showed on defense. I don't think there's any way else to put it. The injuries just proved to be too much on Sunday night and that is definitely a concern. Heading into some team notes from this game, the Niners had more first downs than Philadelphia. Had 25 first downs, Philadelphia had 18. They were doing good in that regard. They were moving the ball. 5-11 and 11 on third downs though, but that was still better than the Eagles. The Niners rushed for over 100 yards. It may seem like that now that it's a good thing, but really the run game had a really hard time getting going. The offensive line did not play that great. Jarek McKinnon had maybe two or three good runs, but other than that, he had a hard time getting lanes as well. 301 passing yards. Kyle Shanahan definitely dialed up a lot more passing plays than usual for Mullins. George Kittle had a massive day. The Niners went up for over 400 total yards. The stats were there. The Niners just couldn't finish, but there's only one explanation When you have those kind of yardage numbers and you only score 20 points, that would be turnovers. The 49ers turned the ball over three times, two interceptions and one fumble, and an absolutely horrific pick six in the second half from Nick Mullins. That was just the story of the Niners' day. They just couldn't get anything going, and that interception really just was a, a microcosm of how that game went. There was glimpses and you thought it was going well and then it just it just wasn't. Tough day at the office for the 49ers. Their defense only had three sacks in a game where I thought the Niners D should have gotten went a lot more considering the Eagles had four backup O-linemen. Four. And Lane Johnson was in and out of that game and the Niners still struggled. They, they had their moments. They did. And they kept this team in the game for most of it. But I don't know. It was... It was a tough day for this defense as well. They did have one turnover. They had the interception in the first half, which was good. Six penalties, and that was a problem as well. Trent Williams had an awful day on the offensive line. Easily his worst game as a 49er so far. Dante Johnson had some really bad problems in the secondary, but after hearing that he was playing hurt in that second half, I feel a little more sympathy for the guy. The 49ers also won the time of possession, but again... 
when you win things like that, but you don't win a game, that's just because you're turning the ball over and you're getting penalties. And when you do that, you're shooting yourself in the foot and you're never going to win football games. The Niners never got any kind of momentum or rhythm going on offense, period. The rushing game wasn't as potent as usual. And it was clearly evident that the Niners missed their key guys on offense and defense. The secondary was really thin. Apparently, according to Kyle Shanahan, Dante Johnson had to play through the end of that fourth quarter injured because the Niners did not have any more cornerbacks that were active. That's wild. Wild stuff there for the Niners at secondary. The injuries are just are just brutal right now. And we'll talk a little bit more about the injury report in a little bit. The Niners missed Jimmy Garoppolo and Raheem Mostert really badly because Mullins had an awful day, did not put the Niners in great positions at all. And Jarek McKinnon, it wasn't really his fault, but the run game just wasn't there. And I know when Raheem Mostert's in there, he helps this run game go a lot better. And this defensive line just looks really depleted. And they lost another big piece on the D-line after that game. We'll get to that in a bit as well. On to some individual notes. Nick Mullins, awful night, although his stats don't really show it. 18 for 26, 200 yards, a touchdown and two picks. The stats don't show it, but Mullins just never got in rhythm. He just never got in the flow of things, and that was a big problem for this offense. If your quarterback can't can't get into things, that's a problem. And that ended up leading to him getting benched in the fourth quarter, and in relief came C.J. Beathard, who was actually really good. I was quite surprised by C.J. Beathard. 14 for 19, 138 yards, and almost won us the game somehow, some way. But I got to give it to C.J. Beathard. That was a heck of a job, and I don't know if it's just me, C.J. Beathard has now come in in relief twice in his career since 2017. And I swear to God, he's played better coming off the bench in relief in games compared to when he started. Having you know, C.J. Beathard has had his moments. But again, he's only, won one, he's only won one football game as a starter. So, I don't know. But I, I, my, my hat's off to C.J. Beathard. He, he came in and he kept us in that game and honestly almost won us the game. Jerick McKinnon, 14 carries, 54 yards, and a touchdown. Side note, Jerick McKinnon has now scored a touchdown in every game the 49ers have played so far. Jerick McKinnon's been great so far, although he had a tough time being the bell cow on Sunday. Having said that, Jerick McKinnon's still been great so far. Brandon Ayuk scored his second touchdown of his career, and boy, was that a heck of a player. What? Easily a Sports Center top 10 touchdown as he leaped and hurtled over an Eagles linebacker for a touchdown. That was an awesome play. George Kittle, massive day in his return. 15 catches for 183 yards and a touchdown. Debo Samuel, three catches for 35 yards in his season debut. We knew he wasn't going to have a big day because he was on a pitch count. Eric Armstead, Fred Warner, and Quan Alexander were some standouts on defense, but other than that, it just it just wasn't a pretty affair for the 49ers. There wasn't anything where I was confident at any point in time. I think it's a thing where, yeah, the injuries definitely showed in that game. And now to the question of, the Niners are 2-2. Two and two. The NFC is really tough. The NFC West is is really, really tough. The Niners are 2-2. Two two. They really needed that win against Philly to stay afloat and be 3-1, tied for second place with the Rams. But now they're sitting at 2-2, two and two and they got a crazy schedule. After this game against Miami, 
The Niners play the Rams twice. They play the Patriots. They play the Seahawks, the Packers, the Saints, and the Bills after the bye week. And they have their second meeting with the Rams as well. That is no joke. Three of those teams are undefeated. The Rams are 3-1. and one. The Patriots should be 3-1. and one. And are a much different team with Cam Newton. And Cam Newton should be back for that game. The Niners are in trouble. I mean, there's no way else around that to say that. But this Week 5 game against Miami is massive. Because it's our first game that I feel like we're expected to win until week 14. If we don't get healthy in the next few weeks, by the time that game rolls around, we're going to be out of it. The injuries have just been so much to handle this year, and I don't think it was more evident than it was on Sunday night. The 49ers need Jimmy Garoppolo back ASAP. He is the guy that will help this team. In 2017, the Niners didn't have a defense. The Niners looked like a playoff team in those last five games that Jimmy Garoppolo started in 2017. The Niners can do it, but they need Jimmy Garoppolo back. I don't have much faith in what Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard can do in terms of winning us football games. Do I have faith that they're going to go out there and play good? Yeah, I do. They're both good football players, but they're not going to help us win football games like Jimmy Garoppolo can That, to me, is the biggest concern of the entire injuries that we have. Jimmy Garoppolo is easily the most important. Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman, if they get healthy, it would help a lot. Jared McGinnis and Jeff Wilson are holding down the fort. But Raheem Mostert especially, the way that he's been playing at the beginning of the season, we need him back badly. The defensive line. Oh boy. We lost Ziggy Ansah to a torn biceps. He was good for a game and a half. He was our replacement for Nick Bosa. I don't know who John Lynch is going to call upon to play the edge because D Ford is hurt. Eric Armstead plays the other edge spot. As of right now, Kerry Hyder plays the other edge. Kerry Hyder's been a very pleasant surprise so far. He's been great. But the Niners have no depth. On week seven, we're supposedly supposed to get back Julian Taylor and Ronald Blair. That would be massive. But this Niners defensive line has just taken so many hits already. And we're like a quarter into the season. It's it's brutal. Getting Dre Greenlaw back at linebacker would also be a big boost. And then the secondary. Oh my lord, this secondary needs to get healthy. And it starts with Richard Sherman. This team needs Richard Sherman back out there so badly. Even just as a leader. They need him back on the football field. And just knowing that no, not many quarterbacks are going to target Richard Sherman Jason Verrett's been playing pretty good so far. This secondary needs to get healthy in a hurry because Dante Johnson was suffering in that game and K1 Williams also went down in that game. But like I mentioned, the Niners have a hard road to the playoffs this year. Only three teams on their schedule left have a losing record. Miami, Washington, and Dallas. And Dallas's offense is crazy. They just don't have a defense. But the rest are playoff caliber football teams that the 49ers play. If we can get Jimmy Garoppolo back soon, and what I mean by soon is in the next two weeks, and we get Raheem Moster and Richard Sherman and Dre Greenlaw and some of these guys back, I think the Niners season, we can definitely get into the playoffs easily. When I look at the NFC, I see Seattle, I see Green Bay, I see Tampa, I see the Saints. But beyond those four teams, I I, I, I don't see many other contenders. 
And this year, there are three wild card spots. I don't think Chicago is going to stay at 3-1 and one or having a good record for long. They looked awful on Sunday. The Rams will be there. And then there's two other spots available. It's up to the Niners to be able to compete for that wild card spot. And I think they absolutely most definitely can get to that. But they got to get healthy. I think that's that's the biggest thing. I'm not worried about this Niners team having a drop-off. And if people want to say that the Niners are suffering a Super Bowl hangover, I think people need to address the Super Bowl hangover term and define it more as injuries don't help. And that's kind of what happened to the Rams last year too. It's not like they were playing bad football. If the playoff format this year was last year, the Rams would be in the playoffs. The 49ers could easily be like that this year. If they can get some of these guys healthy down the stretch and win some of these big games, the Niners are in the playoffs. And if we're healthy in January and all these guys and Jordan Reed's back and and all these guys are healthy in January, the 49ers have a legitimate shot to even run the table in January. Yeah, I said it. I know it's way too early and there's just injuries left, right, and center. But absolutely, the Niners still have a shot to make the playoffs and make some noise. But it is heavily reliant on who's healthy and when we get them back. And it starts with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I hope he practices tomorrow because if he does, it's a, it's a massive, it's not a, even a game changer at this point. It's a season changer. If for some reason Jimmy Garoppolo can't go on Sunday and CJ Beathard or Nick Mullins play and they stink up the joint like they did on Sunday and we lose to Miami, stick a fork in it, it's over. I, I just can't say we're going two and three and then play the go into death's row from week six all the way up until pretty much the rest of the season. I just don't know how we can compete. We got to win on Sunday. It's a big win and we need our starting quarterback back ASAP and we need this defense to get healthy sooner and later. Into the injury report heading into Sunday, Kwan Williams is headed to injured reserve with an MCL injury. He will miss three games. Boy, are the Niners getting killed with MCL injuries or what? Absolutely brutal. I mentioned Ziggy Ansah out for the air with the torn biceps. Man, that, that one hurts because Ziggy Ansah was a decent player to have in place of Nick Bosa. Obviously, we've talked about it on the past few episodes that you you can't replace Nick Bosa. It doesn't matter who you put out there. But Ziggy Ansah was a, was a very good replacement if we had to pick anyone to do it. And now we lose him after a game and a half. You just can't script these, these things at this point. Akella Witherspoon, questionable this week. Depends on if he practices or not. Emmanuel Mosley, not too sure yet. Dre Greenlaw, questionable for the week. Raheem Mostert, questionable. But according to Kyle Shanahan, he's most likely to come back week six versus the Rams and not this week. Same goes for Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman is now eligible to return to practice. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. Jimmy Garoppolo, we will see if he practices tomorrow. If he does, that means he has a good shot at playing on Sunday. If not, most likely it would be either Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard starting on Sunday. But it all depends on who practices tomorrow. We'll give a pretty good indication as to who's playing on Sunday. And one more note, Mohamed Sanu was cut after three games with the 49ers, which makes a lot of sense. Debo Samuel's now back. Richie James is coming back in the coming weeks. That move made a lot of sense. So Mohamed Sanu released after three after just three games back with Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. So the 49ers will play in Miami on Sunday. It, I'm expecting to win this game. I, I really am. The Dolphins are, are not going to be an easy out. This is a tough team. They played with Seattle for a good amount of that game on Sunday. 
but we'll see what happens. But again, very, very, very heavily reliant on who plays in this game and who comes back from injury. If Jimmy Garoppolo comes back, 49er fans, we do what we do best and we keep the faith. But if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't play on Sunday, if we still can squeak out a win against the Dolphins, okay, that would be fantastic. That would be awesome. But if we don't come away with a win on Sunday, oh boy. Oh boy. So the rest of the headlines for week four, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Tennessee Titans game was postponed because the Tennessee Titans had 16 to 18 players test positive for the coronavirus. Absolutely brutal. That game was moved to week seven and the Pittsburgh Steelers Baltimore Ravens game was moved to week eight. So a little shifting had to, had to be done throughout the schedule there, but the NFL managed to get it done. I think it was just it just happened to be in a way that it was easy to make those changes. The Ravens bye week only moved one week and the Ravens Steelers game only moved up one week too. So it, it was a pretty easy way to switch that around. But the Buffalo Bills game with the Tennessee Titans on week this coming Sunday is in doubt because we don't know what's the deal with the Tennessee Titans personnel and how many guys are going to be tested positive. If that game gets rescheduled, I don't know what the NFL is going to do. Are they going to add a week 18? Not really sure what they're going to do there. But that game is in doubt for week five. And the Titan, the Titans and Steelers had a bye week on week four. It was unexpected, but they now have had their bye week. And elsewhere, news with the coronavirus in the NFL, Cam Newton, the first big name player throughout the season who has now tested positive and missed the Patriots contest versus the Kansas City Chiefs. That game was moved to Monday night where the Chiefs beat the Patriots. We'll, get, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. The New Orleans Saints came back from 14 down to defeat the Detroit Lions 35-29 and improved the 2-2. Two two. Breeze had a big day and looked a little more back to his normal self, threw for over 246 yards and two touchdowns. Emmanuel Sanders, the former Niner, had a big day. Six catches for 93 yards on the day. Big win for the Saints, tough loss for the Lions at home. The Panthers hand the Cardinals their second straight loss, and the Panthers have now won two in a row under new head coach Matt Rule with a 31-21 win. Teddy Bridgewater was great, threw for 276 yards and two touchdowns, and that Panthers defense held DeAndre Hopkins to only 41 yards. Having said that, DeAndre Hopkins was playing the game hobbled with an ankle injury, but that was still impressive. And hey, from a 49er fan, thank you Carolina for getting that win. I will say that at least, but that is very impressive. I'm surprised, but Arizona may not be as great, and some of their youth is kind of starting to show, and that's a good sign for the 49ers for sure. The Cleveland Browns. What a story early on so far. Kevin Stefanski has the Browns fans probably partying left, right, and center right now. The Browns improve to 3-1, which is the best record they've had in 20 years the Cleveland Browns have not been 3-1 since 2001. Unbelievable. I did not think I would ever see. I don't think. I don't even think Browns fans thought that they would see the day. But here we are. The Cleveland Browns are 3-1. Kevin Stefanski has this offense humming. They did lose Nick Chubb to a knee injury, which is tough. But they beat the Cowboys on Sunday, 49-38. A massive day from Odell Beckham Jr. Three touchdowns. Two passing or two receiving touchdowns and one rushing touchdown to seal the deal late and held off another resilient effort from Dak Prescott late in that game. But let's talk a little bit about the Dallas Cowboys. Forty nine points to the Browns. Oh Lord! I mean, 
Dallas's defense is having all kinds of problems and Dak Prescott is there to just clean up the mess and is keeping them in almost every single game they're in. You got to give a lot of credit to Dak. He is he has put the team on his back in these past few games, but the Cowboys defense, my goodness, they stumbled to 1 and 3. But how about that AFC North? Steelers are undefeated right now at 3 and 0. The Ravens got back on track and are now 3 and 1. The Browns are 3 and 1 and the Bengals, I know they're not expected to make a lot of noise. But they look pretty decent with Joe Burrow under center. They tied and then they won this past week against Jacksonville. So the AFC North, not a bad division. Maybe a good a good future there for the AFC North. The Minnesota Vikings got their first win of the season by beating Houston 31-23. Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen had massive days. And the Texans stumble to a brutal 0-4 start, which led to Bill O'Brien getting fired yesterday. The first head coach firing of the season... Honestly, I am sorry for Houston Texans fans that they're 0-4 because that is a very talented football team. But thank God they fired Bill O'Brien. The only problem about this move now is you fired him too late. The mess is already done and now whoever is the next coach is going to have to clean it up. There's no DeAndre Hopkins. You can't undo a trade. You can't undo what Bill O'Brien already did. I believe it's either two first-round picks or it's a first-round and a second-round that Houston owes to Miami because of the Laramie Tunsil trade. And now, of course, they don't have DeAndre Hopkins because he's now in Arizona. That's the problem for the Houston Texans is Bill O'Brien left. But now you got to clean up his mess. But on the bright side, this was a very good move by the Houston Texans. Bill O'Brien has been holding this team back for years. I hope they bring in a good offensive coach. Hey, I'm just saying this right now. Eric Bieniemy with Deshaun Watson? Maybe. It's only October. It's a long way until January, but maybe, maybe. But getting a good offensive coach to work with Deshaun Watson, that would be a pretty good idea if you're the Houston Texans to take that team to the next level because they were ready. Without DeAndre Hopkins, eh, I don't know, but it, they're moving in the right direction by moving on from O'Brien for sure. The Seattle Seahawks improved to 4-0 on the season after beating the Miami Dolphins 31-23. Russell Wilson continuing to do his thing. DK Metcalf is going off right now. Seahawks are rolling. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks win their third straight and outduels young Justin Herbert 38-31 over the Chargers. The Bucks improved to 3-1. A massive day from a hobbled Mike Evans. But bad news for the Buccaneers. They lost OJ Howard to a season-ending Achilles injury. Oof. But expect more Rob Gronkowski and Cameron Braid for the Bucs. But how about Justin Herbert? Going in there, out dueling with Tom Brady. It's just too bad this kid has lost three straight, though. The Buffalo Bills improved to 4-0 for the first time since 2008. How about this? Buffalo was 4-0 and Cleveland is 3-1. Who would have thought we would have seen the day? The Bills are 4-0 for the first time since 2008 after handing, after handing the Las Vegas Raiders their second straight loss, 30-23. Josh Allen left briefly with an arm injury, but he returned. Josh Allen just continues to ball out and play at a very high level. And the Buffalo Bills are playing at a really good level of football right now. Sean McDermott's got this team heading in the right direction, but they got some big games coming up. Maybe they have a bye week on Sunday. We don't know. But if they do end up playing the Titans, both teams are undefeated. That should be a hell of a game. 
The Ravens held off Washington 31-17. The Rams beat the Giants in a very ugly game, 17-9. And the Colts' defense continues to dominate as they handed Nick Foles and the Bears their first loss of the season in a 19-11 win. And on Monday night, the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs rolled and took care of business on Monday night to remain unbeaten. So after a quarter of the season... There are six unbeaten teams that remain. The Buffalo Bills, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Tennessee Titans, who obviously did not play. And then, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Green Bay Packers, and the Seattle Seahawks are the last of the unbeaten teams for the in the NFL right now. Out of those teams, I think Seattle and Kansas City are going to be the last two undefeated. And I say that because they got the best quarterbacks. Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes are probably the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But do I dare say that when Aaron Rodgers is in that conversation? Because that guy is playing at such a high level right now. And we all know Aaron Rodgers is a bad man when he's playing like this. He hasn't thrown a pick yet. I think he's thrown, what, 13 or 14 touchdowns so far. The Packers are dangerous. And I said this on a previous episode. Maybe drafting Jordan Love was actually exactly what they needed to do, as dumb as that may sound. But man, the Green Bay Packers look really good right now. And hey, if the 49ers, you know, struggle and don't and get knocked out in the playoffs or whatever it may be, I, w- I would love to see Aaron Rodgers win another Super Bowl. I-, I really would. Now, of course, if the Niners play the Packers in the playoffs, eh, if we're healthy, you never know. We play them week nine, and honestly, I, ex- I expect the Packers to, to come for blood because they're probably pissed off at the Niners, and I- I'm not looking forward to that game, to say the least. Looking ahead to week five, some headline games. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers go to Chicago on Thursday night. I thought that was a good game, but I think the Bucs are going to roll that game. Buffalo at Tennessee. Again, if that plays, we don't know what the situation is with the coronavirus and the Tennessee Titans, so... That is to be determined for now. The Indianapolis Colts play the Cleveland Browns. Both teams are 3-1. and one. I think that might be the game of the week. There's not many great appealing games this week, unfortunately. But the Colts of the Browns could be a really good game for sure. Minnesota at Seattle on Sunday Night Football. And then the Chargers go to New Orleans on Monday night. Drew Brees faces his former team, possibly for the final time in his career. So those are games to look forward to in Week 5. And that will bring us... To week four's 49er Way Weekly Awards. And we start with the Jerry Rice MVP of the Week Award, which, of course, you guys got to vote on it to, on yesterday. And here it is. The, the candidates were for the Jerry Rice MVP of the Week. Tom Brady, amazing day. The 43-year-old, 30 for 46, 369 yards, Five touchdowns after throwing a pick six in the first quarter. He responds with five touchdowns. Great day for Tom Brady. Dalvin Cook, 27 carries on 130 yards and two touchdowns. Dalvin Cook's just an absolute beast and gave Minnesota their first win of the season. Joe Mixon, awesome day. 25 carries, 151 yards, two touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown. And Odell Beckham balled out for the Browns. Five catches for 81 yards and two touchdowns. And even two carries for 73 yards and sealed it. Sealed the win for Cleveland with a rushing touchdown. The winner of the Jerry Rice MVP of the week for week four. You guys voted Odell Beckham Jr. With 11 votes. Beat Tom Brady by one vote. Brady had 10. 
Odell Beckham is a Jerry Rice MVP award. If it was up to me, I would have probably given it to Tom Brady because it's just ridiculous. I mean, five throwing five touchdowns and balling out like that at 43. And we're going to finish off by looking at the whole Bill Belichick versus Tom Brady thing and to see where those guys are at. But right now, it looks like both those guys are doing just fine. The Patriots were staying with Kansas City if Brian Hoyer didn't stink away the game and stunk up the joint at Arrowhead last night. But other than that, both looked pretty good. But I would have, I would have given it to Tom Brady. But let's give OBJ some love. I mean, there's been so many rumors about the Browns don't want him and trade rumors and this and that. I'm even a culprit of wanting to shop OBJ after week one in fantasy. Yeah, not doing that anymore. OBJ, big day for Cleveland. Kevin Stefanski says he wants to get him more involved. And with no Nick Chubb now, at least for the next few weeks, maybe OBJ gets involved in this offense a little bit more. Odell Beckham, your Jerry Rice MVP of the week. The Bill Walsh Best Team of the Week award. The candidates were the Cleveland Browns, off to their best start since 01 and torched the Dallas Cowboys 49-38. They were up 41-14 at one point in that game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have now won three in a row. Their defense played great. Tom Brady looked great. Mike Evans was awesome in that game. Buccaneers look a lot like what we thought they were going to be. The Philadelphia Eagles are also a candidate. They got back on track with a gutty win over our Niners. Carson Wentz played great with almost all backups on offensive line and hardly any supporting cast. It was a very resilient win for the Philadelphia Eagles, to say the least. And then the New Orleans Saints got back on track, escaping a 14-0 deficit early in that game against Detroit. The winner of the Bill Walsh Team of the Week award is, you guys voted, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with 13 votes. In second place, and the Cleveland Browns with 11 votes. I would have given this to Cleveland. They deserve this so much. I mean, they just did a heck of a job. I mean, 3-1 on the season. Cleveland has never been this good. I was two years old when the Cleveland Browns were 3-1 and one last. It's remarkable. But you know what? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know what? They've made the playoffs since like, what was it, 2008, 2009? The Buccaneers, it's been a while since they've been this good. So you know what? Yeah, sure. You got the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, that's not a difference maker. No, it totally is. But the Buccaneers definitely look like a much better team and they definitely deserve the award for this week. On to the Cody Pickett L of the Week award. And whew, we got some good candidates because a lot of teams stunk up the joint this week. And we start with the NFC least. Nobody in this division has a record of 500 or better. I repeat, nobody, no team in the NFC East has a record above 500. And I'm going to keep roasting the NFC East because everybody's roasting the NFC East. The New York Giants scored nine points for the second straight week. Nine points. Nine for the second straight week. Awful. Jason Garrett, what are you doing, my guy? Giants look awful. Washington, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because they're a young football team. Ron Rivera is a great coach. You know, not a lot of people were expecting a lot of them anyways, but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. The Dallas Cowboys, oh my Lord. Oh my Lord. You don't want to pay Dak Prescott money. Jerry Jones does not want to give Dak Prescott a big contract. My friends, Dak Prescott is the only living thing that is keeping the Dallas Cowboys final scores respectable right now. 
They were down 41 to 14 to the Cleveland Browns at home. That how in the heck does that happen at Jerry World to America's team? Hell nah. That can't happen. The Cowboys are 1 and 3. Should have been 0 and 4 if it wasn't for the Atlanta Falcons and the most dumbest move of easily the NFL season thus far. They don't know why to recover an onside kick, apparently. So the Dallas Cowboys should be 0 and 4. And they're 1 and 3. Ay, ay, ay. Mike McCarthy, they got to sort that thing out. But Dak Prescott, hey, I, I give my hats off to him. And really, a lot of guys not offense. They're balling. Cedric Wilson's balling. Amari Cooper's balling. CeeDee Lamb is balling. That offense is doing the best they can. And you know what? Their offensive line isn't that healthy either. That offense is doing their best. And a shout out to Kellen Moore as well. But that defense... Help your help your offense out, like please. And then the Philadelphia Eagles, one, two, and one. They don't have an offensive line. They hardly have any talent at receivers. But Carson Wentz played really well on Sunday. I'll give him that. Our defense struggled, and we really should have won that game. But I got to give it to Philadelphia. But they're one and two and one, and they tied with the Bengals, and they lost to Washington after blowing a seventeen nothing lead. The it is almost criminal. That a team from this division is going to make the playoffs. I mean, the NFC West has four playoff caliber teams. And one of our team, maybe two, but more likely one team from the NFC West is not going to make the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if the last place team in the NFC West has a better record than the first place team in the NFC East at the end of the season. Anyways, that's enough from the NFC East. The other candidate at the Cody Pickett All of the Week Award was the New York Jets, who are now 0-4, got absolutely torched by a third-string quarterback. The New York Jets are just a train wreck of a team. I don't know how Adam Gase hasn't been fired yet. Brian Hoyer stunk up the joint at Arrowhead last night, an absolutely horrendous performance from the 11-year veteran. One interception, took a sack at the end of the half. He thought he had a timeout, but they didn't have a timeout. Typical Brian Hoyer stuff. And then he fumbled late in the game. They were in the red zone. They were Their defense played their asses off for Bill Belichick. And Brian Hoyer just, just could not do anything for that team. And it was and it was brutal. And as a Niner fan, I, I feel for the Patriots fans. Because I had to live through five ugly games. And we were 0-5 with Brian Hoyer at quarterback. So I know how they feel. The good news is Jared Stidham should get the start next week. And hopefully... He looked, he looked pretty good in the time that he was in the game yesterday, except for the two turnovers. But hopefully Patriots fans will feel better with Stidham under center. And lastly, Nick Foles threw only one touchdown in the game and got stood up by the Indianapolis defense. That Colts defense is just disgusting right now. But Nick Foles underperformed mightily in his Bears debut as a starter. The winner of the Cody Pickett L of the Week award that you guys voted, Brian Hoyer. With 11 votes, the NFC East came in second with nine votes. I don't blame Brian Hoyer for getting the L of the week. I mean, he deserves it. He played like absolute garbage. There's no way else to put around that. He embarrassed Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. I mean, that defense, that is a particularly young defense that Bill Belichick has, held Kansas City to six points. That game is supposed to be tied at halftime if it wasn't for Brian Hoyer's stupidity at the end of the half. I don't know, man. It's brutal. To be quite honest... The Niners have Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard at backup. Thank heavens Brian Hoyer isn't our backup. I'll just leave it at that. Brian Hoyer wins the L of the Week award. To Raheem Mostert's Prize of the Week award, the Buffalo Bills, 4-0 start. First time since 2008 was the candidate. And Brett Rippon, 
19 for 31 and 242 yards and two touchdowns. He turned it over three times, but the Broncos still won. Having said that, I'll give my shout out to Brad Rippin now. That's a hell of a job by the young guy to go on primetime on a short week in your debut and get a win. But he did not win this week's award. The Buffalo Bills did at 4-0 for the first time in 2008. I love it. I, I love every bit of it. I've been to Buffalo a few times. I've seen that fan base. I know that fan base. They're probably just on cloud nine right now. And they host the Kansas City Chiefs, not this week, but next week in primetime on Thursday night. Oh my goodness. That is going to be a massive game on week six. And it sucks because the Bills fans can't even be there for it. The Bills are 4-0 and their fans can't even be there for it. That should be the L of the week. Actually, that's not even that's not even L of the week. That's just unfortunate. That's just sad. The Buffalo Bills fans have been through everything. They they have to be the one fan base in the NFL that's just like they have been through the most heartbreak and it's not even close. And they're 4-0. So you know what? I I congratulate the Bills and I want to see the Bills succeed. I I live in Toronto. I'm close to Buffalo. I want to see them succeed. But anyways, the Buffalo Bills, winner of the Raheem Mostert Surprise of the Week Award. To end this week's episode, as I end every recap episode, I give my survival pick of the week. Congratulations to those of you that are still in your survival picks this far into week five. And I am I apologize if anyone listened to me and you lost. My picks for this week would be, I would take the Arizona Cardinals over the New York Jets. Even though the Cardinals have lost two in a row, the Jets suck. And the Cardinals have enough talent to get the job done. Or the Dallas Cowboys over the New York Giants. Please, for the love of God, there is no way the Dallas Cowboys should trail at any point in this game. The New York Giants cannot score for the life of them. And the irony out of all this is Jason Garrett makes his return to Jerry World on Sunday. So if anything, the Dallas Cowboys cannot lose to Jason Garrett. Oh my goodness. If the Cowboys somehow, someway lose to Jason Garrett at home... Oh, good God. That should be that should be an interesting game, though. But we'll see what happens. That is the end of this week's episode of the 49 Away podcast. The week four recap. Don't forget to give the 49 Away a follow on Instagram for more 49ers news and analysis. And we'll see you next week for the week five recap.